Hello, and welcome to the Post Rye Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. And uh, welcome to episode one. Episode 001, man, of, of many to come, it looks like. Uh, that's uh, why I labeled it 001. I, I have hopes to make it to 100. That's a high hope. I mean, and then up to 999 at least, you know, we'll see after that. Yeah, I thought maybe getting triple zero one was a little bit optimistic <laughs> yeah. and aggressive. Like, But I felt like if we were recording a weekly show, like, that's two years. I think that's a reasonable number to uh, to go for. Yeah, I mean, and after two years, I can hopefully kill this off if, you know, if it's not going anywhere. That's true. Or and if it <laughs> fails, you can just make fun of me forever. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, welcome to the show. You know, we wanted to create a podcast where we could just talk about cycling. You know, like you and I spend a lot of time just talking about cycling news and races and riders every week. And so we decided just to record it and see if people liked it. Yeah, and I think kind of we're approaching it in just our kind of casual shit-talking way where we think, you know, maybe that's how other people talk in the same way after after a ride, you're having coffee and you're just shooting it with, with your friends and, you know, about the, your local rides, you know, what you did and then, you know, what's going on in the greater cycling community and, and in the pros. Yeah, definitely. So I think for us, like, we kind of wanted to develop a little show uh, and, like I said, see where it goes. But, like, the formatting will be, the opening will be a little bit about us, what we've been riding, you know, a little local. We're from Phoenix, uh, you know, in Arizona. So, you know, we kind of want to develop a little local aspect and community and so we talk a little bit about what we've been up to uh, on ourselves and then we kind of delve into the main meat of the show we want to talk about what's gone on in the world of cycling this week yeah so with that in mind we'll start with uh what have we done on strava this week so looking at it it's kind of been a slow week for me it's been in the holidays and the winter and everyone's kind of sick here so i've kind of caught a little bit of a bug so i got in three rides about 74 miles 75 miles and only climbed uh, 1,350 feet, so a little bit disappointing. Uh, what about you, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed in mine as well, but 127 miles and uh, just over 4,000 feet. Uh, same, I just slow slow start to the week, and I've been sick. I, I would say maybe the last ride is the one where I actually felt okay, um, but it's it's just been a little tough, and I mean... Made it a little tougher. I, I try to go out on a, a group ride with, with a shop out here on Saturday, um, Bicycle Ranch, just throwing them under the bus. But yeah, no one showed up. I got there for the ride, and I think you know, they had the shop open. So, I mean, someone was there, and people were planning on showing up, or you know they were planning on people showing up. And yeah, just they said, you like, oh, maybe it was too cold. And one guy was there and turned around, so I just you know, did a solo ride, but it's kind of a bummer. It's a little ways out and it's a fast group and Saturday rides are a little harder to come by. And the other big ride, it's called the boss ride. It's a bike of Scottsdale. And that's the really kind of major fast ride had already, I saw them go by. So I couldn't pick up with them. Miss that train. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. My thought was just like, you know, if it's too cold, there's no need to have it that early, but if if that's what you know what it's going to be, eight a.m. You know it's in the low forties. We could go at ten if, if you know if that's what it's going to take. But yeah, well, it's tough because you want to be consistent so people know when to show up yeah, without I mean, having to look at a calendar every single week or check in to make sure it's there. And it is disappointing, you know. Like one of our goals this year is just to do more group writing and kind of be involved 
in the community, you know, partly this podcast pushed me to do that in general, but I also just want to be a better writer. And the only way to do that is to do group rides. Like I've, for almost all of my cycling, you know, time I've, I've done it, you know, the years I've ride, been riding, I only rode by myself. And then the last couple of years, you and I started riding together and like it improved my cycling tremendously. So the next step is to join group rides. Yeah. I mean, just other people pushing you, learning techniques, you know, everything. And there's, there's always, you know, A, B or A, B and C group. So there's, there's places to start from. Uh, yeah. And you can kind of track your improvement. And also you just get to meet other people who ride bikes. You know, that's always been the struggle for me is like finding people to just talk about cycling too. Cause like, it's what I love and I just enjoy watching races and talking about it and seeing what's going on. And so it's easy to find people at work to talk about football or basketball or whatever. And like, it's just not as easy to find anyone to talk. It's a little more niche. <laughs> just a touch. Yeah. But I, I can't help it that it's a superior sport. It's true. But yeah, so I don't know. Probably the nice thing that was a Saturday ride, there's plenty of Sunday rides, but um, I've been doing the velo ride. There's several options, but we'll just have to see, you know, what I try to shoot for next. Well, we'll be, we'll be remote next weekend doing some riding, but we talk about that later. Yeah, definitely. Well, might as well just transfer right into our first topic of the week. So a lot of news this week. So it's January. It's typically a, um, a lull in, in racing, right? There's really nothing going on until the Tour Down Under uh, in a couple weeks. And there's been some cyclocross and a couple national championships. But overall, it's pretty quiet. But news-wise, there's been a lot of interviews and articles released about riders. So it's actually been pretty busy. So, you know, I want to start with uh, Jarn Reese taking over as team manager of NTT and they've kind of him and his team team Virtu I believe purchased a one third stake in that team so now they're going to be known as NTT dash Virtu and just kind of the impact of having him back as a team manager I, I personally I I kind of like this this news I will say I like it on the uh, the level that we're we're going back to the elbow elbow gate of uh. You know, nothing was ever confirmed, but it was it Ralph Dink who was there. I mean, was said to have pushed to get Sagan expelled from that. And I don't know. I've always had a problem with with him and Cavendish and all that from this. And it just seems like you know a whiny thing, and maybe not been the best manager. And yeah, it just seems like you want to win by being the best, not you know to get your way yeah definitely i believe you meant to say it was it ralph aldeg oh yeah, yeah. Ralph, ralph dank is, is the owner of uh, well he's bora bora yeah okay. so he wasn't pushing Aldeg. to get yeah, no, kicked no, no. out that'd be I'm, really yeah. bizarre that would be something moby star okay <laughs> yeah but Team no tactics. but yeah so ralph aldeg has been kind of pushed out which i think is fine i mean he was mostly there with cavendish right like they were kind of a collective unit i believe so with cavendish being gone i don't think it really mattered but having uh, Reese back in the Peloton, I think, is going to be, love him or hate him, I don't really care about anyone's doping pasts. Like, it's never bothered me. Like, that's just how it was. And, like, it's gotten a lot cleaner, and there's more testing, and, like, you know, it's obnoxious when people tell me that aren't into cycling that it's dirty sport. And I'm like, do they get tested more than everybody? Like, you know, in the NFL, they just get steroid shots at halftime, you know? Well, that's the difference is they're, they're getting tested, so they're getting caught. Like, other people just aren't getting tested. Exactly. So, but nonetheless, like, he's had a good career, yada, yada. But I think as a team manager, you know, he's 
undisputed. I mean, he has a lot of success. I think he has good tactics. And what I'm actually most interested in is, you know, obviously Campanierts is on that team and he's young and, you know, he has the idea of wanting to be a stage racer. So having someone of his caliber to manage him is phenomenal. And I, I also like his tactics, you know, when it comes to grand tours and a lot of people can speculate, myself included, about how boring some grand tours can be tactically because of Team Sky, now Team Ineos, like kind of creating this data-driven, you know, racing style and you don't have as many attacks that you had with like Contador or, you know, some of the older racers, even with Reese, you had Schleck, right? And those, even though he was a god-awful time trialist, he was still really close to winning the Tour de France against Contador, even though he may have technically have the title, I still don't care. Uh, Contador won that tour, even with Chaingate, which was a little <laughs> bit lame. But like, my point being is I'm hopeful that there's going to be some really good tactic change, maybe a little more aggressive writing when the necessity calls for it. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting, and I think it's interesting. It's a good time for it, I think, because that team is not just you know with a name change, but I think it's turning around quite a bit of seeing what kind of team they're going to become. With you know, Cavendish had been their main guy for quite a while, and so they were relying on him and. Nothing much came of it, and I and I feel like maybe they could have been putting other resources into different riders, and so I think right now is the time to rebuild and become whatever team you want to become. And with you know with a good manager in there, I, I think this this could turn around really well. Oh so. yeah, that it actually makes them exciting, right? Like. So, you know, Dimension Data, or now they're known NTT this season, uh, now NTT Virtu, like, they're kind of the laughing stock. They're almost like the Kofidis of world tour teams, right? Like, they just don't do anything. And, like, sure, they had bad luck with Cavendish. Like, his career has shifted dramatically, and he hasn't acknowledged that. He still thinks he's a world-class sprinter, and until he proves otherwise, I, I can't put him on that same page. But Dimension Data started as, like, South African team and they kind of brought in him to bring in some cachet and name recognition and like they built their whole team around him and he's a very warping person right which understandably so he had a huge career in sprinting so they warped their whole team around him and now with him gone you're right I think they can it's a chance for them to start fresh and, and with you know one of the best managers in the peloton I think they have a really good shot at it yeah I think it'll be interesting um, I guess also on the starting fresh Nielsen Palace going over to EF Education. Uh, I was reading that Bella News interview where they were talking about the nutrition, uh, and he was just wasn't putting out the power numbers. Yeah, I read that article too. Uh, you know, I've kind of recently delved into Bella News. Like, I almost exclusively read CyclingNews.com, and like, just sort of lazy and like don't want to bother researching. And I, I've kind of broadened that open a little bit. And so I read that article as well. It was it was an interesting article. Yeah, Bellanus is kind of like the American equivalent, so you'll have more focus on American writers with that. Let's they good. have some good stories. Cycling news was a little too British for me. Like everything was about Team Sky well, or how they've, great they were. They've trashed that site with so many ads, anyways. But uh, but with him going to EF, I feel like it's also another interesting thing where he is, you know, the nutrition aspect, the training aspect. You know, they were kind of saying, you know, he's overworked a little bit, and EF you know, is the opposite in the way I'm sure they train very hard as well, but the the fun aspect potentially of the alternative race calendar, the the gravel, him being, you know, an American going back to an American team, 
I think that could be a good change for him. I think he said he also, you know, wants to step up into a more of a, a leadership role, which I think he can do. Uh, yeah, I mean, he had a good season regardless of his power potential. You know, it was interesting to to see the difference. You know, he just didn't adapt to that style of training that Yumbo Visma was trying to implement. And it makes sense, right? Yumbo Visma is trying to win the Tour de France, and so it takes very rigid training programming to track the results, right? Because you can't willy-nilly do something. You have to follow a program and track your progress and make changes, you know? So they take a very almost scientific approach to building that up, and, you know, he didn't seem to adapt to it, and it, it makes sense for him to make that transition, even if it doesn't make sense on the outside. Yeah, I just think that it's, it's interesting of the training being such a factor on that same, you know, in that same vein. I was reading the, the CCC guys were saying that they were overtrained last year and everybody came in overcooked and that's why they were so bad. And it's, it's just interesting, you know, how much training can do those winter blocks, you know, that these guys go out and do. And, and it's why, you know, some guys are like, oh, you know, I'm going to race cyclocross through, through the season and that's actually a better lead up. And, and maybe it's, you know, same, just the, the fun factor. I went out on Friday and just did a, you know, mountain gravel ride of just like, you know, I don't want to just sit there every day and do the same routes and just, you know, look, you know, look at what speed I'm putting out. Yeah. It's not as fun. There's, there's a time and place for it, but maybe just the, this, it doesn't work for everyone. So a little bit of alternative program, alternative training is, is kind of good. For yeah. Yeah. We talk about this a little bit in our, our soon to come team episode breakdowns, but like EF education is kind of turned a, a corner, I think, as a team. You know, for a couple of years, they were lost um, when they lost their sponsorship with, you know, Garmin and, and everyone else. And then EF stepped in, like they were in this transitional period where they kind of just floundered and weren't sure what they were trying to do. And they didn't have a lot of big riders. And now with the resurgence that we've seen in the last few years of American cycling with gravel programs and stuff, EF has really stepped it up to really push American events and like that alternate calendar, you know, as they call it. Like it's it's actually been really remarkable. I have to give them credit as much as I've never liked, you know, Vodders all that much. Like he definitely is passionate about American cycling. So it, there is that boost coming and there's a lot of up and coming riders, obviously, and it's exciting to see. So it'll be interesting to see how EF does and how Nielsen Palace in particular does switching over to this team. Yeah, and I think just, you know, having that different attitude, different atmosphere, and, you know, how that transfers into a rider's progression and, and also just their happiness, kind of in the same way, you know, Rohan Dennis was talking about his mental health issues and trying to become a Grand Tour rider of how rigid that is, and it wasn't working for him. You know, he was saying that he might have an eating disorder and things like that of just, you know, it doesn't work for everyone. Yeah, no, it was an interesting week for diets, that's for sure, and the, and the Peloton. And, you know, there was an article by um, Brockovich, right, about having an eating disorder and how there's other people in the Peloton had eating disorders and they don't want to talk about it. And then now we had this story six months later or whatever where Rohan Dennis talks about his issues. And, you know, the again, it goes back to that training program. The rigidity of being a Grand Tour rider is not... For everybody, you know, it's like day in, day every minute of your life has to be about winning the Tour de France. It's that difficult, you know, so your whole life is preparing for this three-week race. So 
not everyone has the desire. And it doesn't mean they're a terrible person. It's just not for everybody. And so Rohan Dennis has kind of decided that he doesn't want to do that. And I think that's perfectly reasonable. Um, but yeah, so, but reading about his diet and his nerves and like, you know, talking about how he was eating, what, 100 to 300 grams of chocolate at night. And I kind of <laughs> had to look it up, what, what that is, you know. Like, I eat dark chocolate, and so I looked at that bar, and it's like 80 grams for one bar or whatever. It's a good size bar. <laughs> yeah, you know, the traditional sort of dark chocolate bar. And like, so 85 grams was one bar, and I think a serving on that is half of it. So uh, he was eating like two to three chocolate bars at night. I mean, I'm assuming it's dark chocolate. I mean, but it could have just been regular chocolate. But the point is, that's just a lot of chocolate. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a serving for me is like a sixth, an eighth, one of those bars. Yeah, one little square. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, I've kind of tried to get, two, you know, two to three little squares a day. You know, I think there's a lot of antioxidants and, you know, I'm into, you know, you and I are both kind of into nutrition and like making our own food and cooking and just enjoying that process. So, you know, part of that for me is just, I'm trying, just trying to be healthy, you know, in my own way. So eating a little bit of dark chocolate every day, I think, is reasonable. But three bars it might be a little excessive. <laughs> well, I guess, how do you think he's going to do uh, leading the tour down under and, and yeah. being on Ineos now? Well, just in general, I've seen this progression. Like, it's kind of interesting with the start of the season. It, maybe it's just coincidence, but it seems like Ineos has pushed this national aspect where, like, Rohan Dennis is leading the tour down under and then all the Colombians having like an all Colombian team at the Tour of Colombia and like you know part of it's just they have a lot of Colombian riders I was like they but, have enough of them but it's still kind of cool that they're kind of sending the you know and like Chavez and a couple other riders are going Quintana like so there's kind of you know there's this pop-up in, in nationalism in a sense and, and it's always been there in cycling right but yeah I think it'll be a good thing for uh, Rohan Dennis I mean he had just lost was this week the time trial you know he didn't he, he didn't have it last year for the Australian time trial uh, national title, and he lost it again to um, Cameron Luke Durbridge. Meyer. Oh, low, oh, Turbo Durbo. Getting ahead of yourself. Cameron Meyer took the, the road race today. Oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. Um, but, yeah, so I think it'll be good. I mean, it's not a, a super important race to Team Ineos, right? So it's a, an important race for Rohan Dennis in Australia, so it'll be nice to see him lead that. I don't know what to expect from him. I mean, it's he's been off the bike for so long as far as racing. Um, and I don't think there's any pressure on him to perform. I think it's just a good introduction and like, you know, it's nicer than to like put him out there for that race. So I think it's pretty cool. I just don't expect him to, you know, top five or something, you know? No. And I mean, he's, he's already said he's not going to be a GC guy. So it's, you know, he'll do this week and see how it goes. And with them having, you know, probably plenty of GC guys, uh, there's really no need. So we'll see, you know. Yeah. About that, was it just he didn't want to do, like, Grand Tours? I thought he was still interested in doing, like, week stages. Maybe. I guess maybe I'm missing missing out on Which that. I think is, like, an underutilized, like, race. I think people kind of skip over them, and it's either you're, like, a sprinter or a one-day racer or a Grand Tour rider. Like, no one like, seems to, like, prefer or, like, target specifically, I'm going to be a one-week stage racer. Which I think sucks, because I think there's plenty of pride and like enjoyment of being like one of the best one-week racers. Well, and we've talked about that as well, where there's some guys that should be a one-week guy. They can't take it into the third week, and they you see the sharp drop-off. And it's like, well, if you would just be a one-week racer and focus your whole training on that, you would probably do great. And there's a lot of one-week races, you know, like that are, have 
good credibility or cachet or whatever. You have Paris, you have Tour Down Under, you have some of the Mideast tours and, you know, Tour Poland. And there's just yeah. a lot. Tour of Utah and California, which, you know, whatever isn't around right now. But there's a lot of really high quality one week races that are great. So I, I think it, I would like to see that. I guess my hope for cycling in the future is to see more people target week stage races with the same, you know, enthusiasm as like, prestige i guess as like a grand tour yeah but it's uh, how do you think uh with Froome coming back you know is it going to fit into everyone else at uh Ineos now uh, i think the real question is is he coming back okay <laughs> i mean like, i feel like they're dramaing that up i i think he's going to be fine like i don't think he's gonna come back at the same level sure of course but i don't think you know the way they're saying you know he's dropping out of training camps and he's you know, he's going to do whatever he wants to do. Like yeah. Bit. It's kind of funny if you read that story. So that story was that he had left a training camp. He got there for two days and then he left because he wasn't doing well. And it was like a real big setback. And, you know, but if you actually read the article, the training camp was from like two months ago or something. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was saying. It's just like a, a drama, like, let's find a story in this kind of thing. I don't think that's going to be a big deal. You know, he's going to go in with a focus of probably the Tour de France, or and we'll see how he does. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to come back. It's it's going to be weird, but... Yeah, I mean, I think the hope, like, no one wants him to do poorly, but no one's really going to be surprised if he just can't get it back. You know, because he had such large injuries. And so everyone is hoping, right? No one is callous enough to, like, be thrilled that he's uh, injured. But, you know, I think... Everyone wants to see that comeback story. Like, I think everyone is willing to, you know, be happy that he can make it back. But we'll see. I mean, it's not easy. And, you know, with a couple other riders on their team, you know, Bernal in particular, like, targeting the tour, like, it's not set in stone that he's even going to make it back. And his road to recovery is long. And he also just has people to... Yeah, Carapaz and Thomas. And it's, you know, there's plenty of people to fill his shoes. New, You know, was it... Pavel Sivakov uh, is, you know, up and coming on that team as well. As I mean, he's looking good mm-hmm. as a young Grand Tour rider I as well. I forget how young he is. He's like 20 or 21 or something like that, 22. Pretty, he's pretty, pretty young. young. He did well. went in the Tour of California last year and a couple other things. He's a great domestique right now, but he has spurts of potential. Yeah, so, you know, it's going to be the same thing, you know, with Dennis. Like, where's where's his place going to be in the team? And, you know, I think it's also going to be based on results. So we'll just kind of have to see where that happens. Yeah, Team Ineos is one of those teams where they're not willing to just hammer behind their main guy. Like, they start out that way, but they also aren't, like, unrealistic, and, like, they allow the... They want to win, so... (laughs) Exactly. They want to win, and they'll do whatever it takes to win, and if they have to change horses midstream, like, they'll do that, and they won't have three at once and, like, try to figure it out, like, Movistar. I was like, who would do that? I don't know. Uh, I mean, they do have that a little bit where they're like, could be Froome, could be... You know, like... I think in the back room, they know who's leading, though, and it's going to be probably who's coming in with the better numbers, and, you know, I think it's maybe even a tactic on their side to be vague about it, Correct. Where other teams are putting too much out there, there's no reason for us to tell you. Yeah, I kind of think of Team Ineos as like the Patriots of cycling, where like Bill Belichick is an amazing coach, and you know he can, but he doesn't put a lot out there. He just puts enough, and like he does very little to give away anything. And so, 
Um, and like maybe they're cheaters. And so Team Minios is like good tactics, but like maybe they're cheaters. You know, like it's kind of <laughs> the same thing. But yeah, they're not afraid to switch, and they don't tell you anything. And like they probably always knew Bernal was going to be their writer. And what's the point of telling anybody? You know, tactically, it just it makes well, sense. Well, yeah, you don't say oh like yeah he's coming in real sick. Like no one's going to do that. You know, you're going to look at you want them to focus on him and you know playing their tactics against this guy who they think's leading and then they let someone else go off and gain a minute now that's your main guy so yeah, exactly and the other thing is like if they told people that the truth what would journalists talk about like at the tour because they're just <laughs> like they, you know they're lazy and they just want to talk about obvious drama and uh, that's not even there you know they try to make it and team sky or team Ineos doesn't make it easy like they just allow you to go do that well uh yeah like i said big news week but that wrap, wraps it up for our first episode here welcome and you know please join us next week when we talk about next week's news <laughs> racing news cycling news what cycling racing news well the Are they tour down under starts like next sunday or something right. so it'll be well yeah so we'll have maybe racing news but that first stage isn't even a real stage well, I don't know, man. We're going to have something to talk about. You're going to have about. to wait three weeks or two weeks. <laughs> it's going to be the week after. Episode three, we're going to talk about the Tour Down Under. Now, we can talk about, we'll have a Tour Down Under mini preview next week. How about that? All right. Good enough. All right. Until then, have a good one. All right. See you.